Well, good morning. So glad that you are here with us this morning. Funny story, I saw all my clocks ahead yesterday morning. And so the kids got up and they were asking me all day, is that the right time? Is that the right time? So by the time bedtime rolled around, we all went to bed early. <laughs> I used to get away with that when they were younger and they'd call on with me. So, but uh, yeah, so it was, uh, I know, right? It's, uh, it's amazing just how big of a time, that time change just kind of makes a difference for us. Today we're going to be looking at um, preparing to move um, forward. And um, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, we've got uh, a couple of different places you can follow along on our uh, website. Use the YouVersion Bible app as a place where you can, uh, you can go there, kind of take some notes, kind of follow along with our message. That's uh, on our app. Uh, there's a link for you there as well. But, um, you know, social media is something I've got mixed feelings about, especially when it comes to Facebook. And so I manage our, our Springbrook Facebook page and our uh, work with uh, Jeff Smith and uh, Christina Jerome on our website. And so our social media strategy is, uh, is a necessity for penetrating and reaching our community, but I have mixed feelings when I get on it because it always seems to suck me in. So last week I was cruising around, and this morning I saw this. <laughs> God says, I have a plan for your life, and this is what it feels like. And so there's this little kid sitting <laughs> in a roller coaster ride. So there's the Holy Spirit, you know, God's having a good time, and then we're like, ah! And I thought, man, that is so funny because that's kind of what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? You know, what is God doing? Where are we going? And so this morning, that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to look at how do we move forward together. Last week, we looked at uh, uh, Joshua chapter 1. We started a series into Joshua, and we looked at six principles um, for passing the leadership um, baton. And those principles, if you didn't have a chance to listen, you can listen to that online. But those six principles... Um, it's been my experience, I think, will we'll, uh, guide you well, personally in your relationship uh, and in your walk with Christ. Uh, those principles are going to continue to guide our leadership team in our church as we continue to celebrate 24 great years together and as we move forward into our future together. At the end of chapter 1, um, God had given a list of commands and, and promises um, to Joshua. And so we looked at those, and we talked about the principles that came from that. As we move into chapter 2, um, we see Joshua doesn't waste any time stepping out in obedience to what God has called him to, because he immediately moves into action. At the end of Joshua chapter 1, there's an estimated 2 to 3 million people on the east side of the Jordan River, and they're preparing to cross over, and they're going to go away five miles into hostile territory to begin to take over this land that God would have for them. And so we get this scene all set for us at the end of chapter 1, just as soon as God finishes um, giving Joshua uh, the commands and the promises. As we move into chapter 2, it says that Joshua and the people prepared themselves. They stepped out in obedience to what God would have for them. It says this in verse 1. And so, and Joshua, son of Nun, he then sent, two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. And so we have these six commands. We have these promises that we looked at last week. And as you enter into the end of chapter 1 and move right into chapter 2, it starts with and. Joshua heard these things and he took action. He started to work with what God had for them in obedience and in anticipation of what God has for us. 
And so this morning, as we look at what God has for us, as we prepare to move forward together, we're going to look at some, some, uh, some principles that we can apply to us today that will help us to move forward into the future um, together. We're going to look at three ways that God can prepare us to move into the future together from this passage. And before we do that, I'd like to ask you if we could just commit our time uh, to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I just want to thank you um, for your faithfulness in the past. Thank you for your faithfulness in the present. And God, I thank you for the promises and the security and your faithfulness that we can trust you with our future. And I look forward to all that you have for us individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And God, I just pray this morning as we open your word and look at this passage, uh, God, that you would just give us clarity as the three ways that you have prepared us to move forward with confidence. And God, we just commit our time to you. Look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, three ways that God is going to prepare us to move forward together. The first one from this passage is that if we're going to move forward together, we need to believe in God's promises. We need to believe in God's promises. I heard a story once about a guy that was rock climbing. And he got up to the side of the ledge and the ground gave way from underneath him and he fell down, went down the cliff and on his way down he grabbed a hold of a root that was hanging out. And uh, he's hanging there from the tree root and his hands are getting sweaty. He's about ready to slip off and he starts screaming for help. Help me, help me, help me. And just before his hands started to slip, all of a sudden he hears this voice from above. He says, here, I'm here to help you. And he said, oh, great, who is this? He said, well, this is God. And all I need you to do is let go of that tree root, and I'll sweep down there and get you. And he thought for a second. He said, well, he said, you want me to let go of the root, and then you're going to save me. And he said, yeah. God said, just let go of that root, and I'll catch you. You can trust me. And he thought for a second, and he goes, is anybody else up there? <laughs> God made some promises in Scripture. And, you know, interestingly enough, I can read them. You can read them. We can look at them. But sometimes it's difficult to step out in faith and trust, isn't it? You know, if we're going to move forward together, there's some promises in Scripture that we have to believe. Believe in a sense that we're actually willing to act on them. You see, because believing God's promises allows us to act intentionally on what you know to be true. God said it, it's true, therefore I can act. You know, I believe God will care for me. He'll save me, and so I'm willing to let grow of a tree root and let him pick me up. Now, I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that he was resurrected on the third day. When he comes back, he's going to take me with him. And so I believe that, and so I make a faith commitment. I step out, I publicly confess, and I identify with him. I believe the Bible will change my life, and therefore I make time to study it. I believe that this chair will hold my weight. And so I'm looking at this chair. It's like, I can tell you, I believe that chair will hold my weight. But then when somebody challenges me and says, well, sit in, let me, let's make sure. I come over, it's like, well, I don't know. Do I really believe it? I believe this chair will hold my weight. And so therefore, I will sit in it. I have no problem sitting in it. Wouldn't it be funny if it broke? <laughs> and so belief needs to translate into action. And unfortunately, in our culture today, there's a lot of belief but there's not a lot of action. And I'm not sure what to make of that. It's not a new problem. Throughout the entire New Testament, you see examples of people that claim to have faith but then don't act. James uh, in the, was with the early Christians at the time, and he wrote the book of James. And, you know, he, 
he says that many of you are claiming to be Christians and you see people in need and you walk by and you walk to them and you see people in need and you say, I'll pray for you and then you keep going and you don't do anything to help them. That's not faith in action. He said, you know, that's faith that's dead. It's not worth, it's not worth anything. It's not translating into action and helping people around you. And so he writes this in James 2.17. He says, it's the same way that faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Our belief needs to translate into action. You know, it's more than just words. We need to see our faith in action. Now in Ephesians 2.8.9, it says that we have been saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor, being a good person, doing good, you know, trying to live rightly. Those things don't get us into heaven. They don't give us right standing before God because we know that we're justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. But behavior, being a good person, although they don't get us into heaven and give us right standing by God, are one of the indicators that our faith in Christ, our behavior, has been changed. You see, if we claim to believe in God's promises, there should be some movement, some action as a result of what we claim to believe. This is what we find with Joshua and the Israelites. When they got together, they're all standing on the river. God's giving them these commands and these promises. And one of the first things that we do is we see that they take action, they act. That's what we saw in verse 1. Joshua, when God got done speaking to him, does what? immediately sends two men to go out and spy out the land. And what did they do? They went. They didn't sit around and talk about it and him haw around and think, well, should we be doing it? They acted. God gave us a command. He gave us some promises and that resulted in their taking action. You know, last week, you know, God told Joseph, jo- Joshua that no one is going to stand before you. No one's going to stand before you. I'm going to be with you. You know, I'm, you need to be strong and courageous. Go into that land that I'm going to give you. And Joshua believes those promises and moves on it. Our faith enables us to act. Peter's with Jesus and the disciples, and um, Jesus says, well, you know, who do you say I am? And, and, and Jesus rightly recognizes, right, recognizes him as the Christ. He's the son of the living God, to which um, Jesus replies in Matthew 16, verse 18. I tell you the truth, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On that, on that truth, on your understanding who I am, that I am the head of the church, and your understanding who I am, I'm going to build this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Whose church is this? I will build my church. Do you believe that? That it's Jesus who's building this church? You know, is it, up to, is it up to me? Is it Matt? Is it up to Dan? Is it up to our elder board? Who is building this church? God. This is Jesus' church, and he is going to build it. And I love the last part of that, that last sentence. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have nothing to worry about with regard to our future. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, it's going to result in our taking action. Instead of retreating, we're going to step in. Instead of being fearful, we can move forward with confidence 
and courage like we saw with Joshua last week. You know, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, he's your Savior, and you have the assurance of going to heaven, do you believe that? Are you allowing God to work in and through you? Do you believe that the Bible is life-transforming? Do you study God's Word? Do you utilize your spiritual gifts to build up this body of Christ? Do we use our gifts, our talents, and our treasures to be a part of what God wants to accomplish in this church? And are we sharing what we have in Christ with others? This is His church, and we can trust Him with it, and nothing can prevail against it. You know, Jesus says that all authority on heaven and on earth is his. In verse uh, 19, Matthew 28, he says this, as a result of that, I want you to go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You believe that? This passage is the foundation for our ministry at Springbrook. It's what we built our discipleship pathway on. When we talk about making disciples, it defines for us what a disciple of Christ needs to look like. It's right there. It tells us what we should be doing and how we should be acting and what other people should see. I love this part. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. God is with us. God is with us at all times. When my kids were growing up, one of the things I always used to, you know, <laughs> I'd put them to bed each night and would pray together. And I can remember, I think I shared last week, uh, I've been to a lot of funerals in my family. <laughs> always had this keen sense of, hey, this life is temporary. I know where I'm going. And I used to tell the kids, you know, there's just a big joke. Who loves you more? I love you more. I love you more. Who loves us both more? God. And so, but part of this dynamic was, and I tried to instill it in an early age, just like, look, there's going to be a time when I'm not going to be there for you. Might be while you're going through high school, grade school, you're older, I'm going to die at some point. God will never leave you. He will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so that's a principle. Do you believe that? And does that belief result in what people see in your life? You know, maybe you're feeling personally stuck this morning. You know, I think that, um, you know, sometimes people are going through and they're just not sure what to do and they get stuck. You know, so part of getting stuck is realizing that God's made some promises. We just need to, to act. We are not stuck as a church. We know where God is leading us. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to be doing that with clarity as we continue to build up and strengthen this body of Christ, attaining the unity of faith. Last week, we looked at passing the baton. And today, we want to look at moving forward. And how do we do that? It's based on believing the promises of God. It is vital that we, like Jesus, believe that God's promises are true and that it results in our changed behavior, our changed lives. People can see that and God can be glorified. You know, we have to believe the promises of God if we're going to move forward in a healthy way together. The second way that we can move forward together in a healthy way is that we can apply 
the principles of God's word to our life. We can apply the principles of God's word to our life. So you should have received a uh, program on the way into the service. Everybody got a program? If you don't have a program, coat. look around for something close to you that you can pick up. It's your bulletin, water, pen, anything. Okay, so once you see something, I want you to try and pick it up without using your thumb. So put it down and then try to pick it up without using your thumb. So I can slide something up and I can do some fingers. <laughs> that thumb is really important, isn't it? I mean, we can make do. You know, I don't, I don't need my thumb. In fact, you can work with fingers. I've seen, you know, God's work through people do amazing things without hands and feet, you know, those kind of things. But it sure is easier having your thumb, isn't it? And so we go through life. Sometimes we take that thumb for granted. Well, the navigators have five principles for studying and applying and using God's word. And they use a hand illustration. And it looks like this. We hear God's word. We read it. We study it. We memorize it. And then we meditate on it. Meditating on God's word is like the thumb of your hand. Meditation is the thinking about the meaning. It's about applying it to your life. Meditation is the thumb of the word hand. Only as we meditate on God's word, thinking about its meaning and its application in our lives, will we discover the life-transforming power at work within us. It's not just enough to read it. It's not just enough to listen to it. We have to meditate on it. We have to let it change us. We're transformed as we meditate and apply God's word to our life. When I first became a believer, um, I was in a local church, and I had just started making some new friends and so I uh, became a Christ follower. I had to get all new friends. Um, worked out good. It was good for me. <laughs> it was good for the other guys too. Praise God. Had new friends. But you know, it was interesting because there was a guy that I had, you know, in my attempt to make new friends, there was one gentleman I just never could seem to be able to connect with. He was there all the time. Um, I don't know what had happened, if he was angry about something. Um, I wasn't sure. You know, I, I had... Uh, I had become a believer, and so I was sharing my faith with people around me. And so, um, you know, sometimes people come into church, and you're not sure whether they're Christians or not. And so I'm trying to talk to them about, well, you know, where are you? You know, you have a relationship with Christ? And just could not get him to talk to me. And I just thought, wow, this, something's, you know, really going on in this guy's life. And, and then one day I was talking to a group of men, and I was talking about something I was reading in the Bible. And I was like, you know, Jesus said something about all authority. And this guy was standing next to me. He says, um, oh, yeah, it's Matthew 28, 19. And we're going, like, oh, wow. So you know something about the Bible? And I said, yeah. He said, and then he just started rattling off. He memorized all these passages. <laughs> I think he had a photographic memory. And so he had read and almost memorized almost big chunks of Scripture. And so anytime, it was kind of funny because after I got to know him, anytime I was wanting to know something about an address, I could ask him. And he goes, oh, yeah, this is this, this is this. He could rattle it off. But his life hadn't been transformed. In fact, six months earlier, I wasn't even sure if he was a Christ follower. I just met him. And so he had been reading it. He had, had it memorized, but his life had not been transformed that others could see the hope that was in him. You know, hearing alone will not change you. You know, reading alone doesn't change you. Hearing alone doesn't change you. When I go to the gym, I love to listen to the Bible, the Bible app, and so I'll be walking and 
just listening, and all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, what just happened? And I can't stop, and I'm trying to run my phone, and I'm falling all over the place. And so sometimes I'm listening to God's Word, because that's a good thing to listen to. But if I just sit there and listen to that, that's not going to transform me. Listening by itself and hearing by itself doesn't transform you. There's people that will walk in and out of church all, every week, all, every, every, all year, who would not be transformed. So there's something about just hearing by itself that is not life transformative. We have to grasp all of these. Most importantly, we have to think and to meditate and ask ourselves, what does this mean to me? What does it mean to me? Look what Joshua did. It says in verse uh, 1 again, he sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So Joshua had grown up, familiar with the Bible, sat under Moses' teaching, gets ready to go and take the land, and he, Joshua, sent two men from Shittim as spies. Is there anything missing in this passage from your perspective? You know, it's funny because I was kind of reading through that. It kind of stands out for me when you understand the broader scope of the story, but there's, there was something missing from this passage that you see in an earlier passage that kind of is its parallel. See, Joshua and Caleb were some of the spies that Moses had sent out into the land to check out the land. And now Joshua's doing it to these spies, but there's some differences between what happens here and what happened with him and Moses. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, send men to spy out the land in Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From every tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. And Joshua and Caleb were in this, spying out the land. But it was God that told Moses to send them out. What did we see with Joshua? Joshua sent two men secretly out. Joshua did that on his own. Where was God in this? I mean, how come Joshua gets to send him out by himself, but Moses had to have God tell him to do it? You see, what had happened was, is Joshua had a clear sense of what God's will was. He was being obedient to it, and he stepped out and acted in obedience instead of having to be commanded to do it. Do you see that? Joshua was able to apply what he had learned and was able to act on it. Joshua had learned from Moses' example. He had, he had learned from Moses' example. Was a, it was a command from God, and Joshua had studied and believed God's word and understand what they were supposed to be doing. See, this is not a new land they're taking. This is a continuation of where they were supposed to go earlier. And now Joshua stepped in to move them into that, into that promised land. Joshua was able to make a wise decision based on what he knew to be true. He was able to act. See, wisdom is the practical application of knowledge to act. You know, it looks something like this. Knowledge is about facts and information. Sometimes people go, oh, that was great. I really enjoyed that. We are constantly thinking about knowledge. We have, from a societal perspective, focused on knowledge to the extent that we're almost going back backwards to the time when the Gnostics were focused on knowledge. We are constantly trying to fill our heads with more and new information because we don't want to miss out. Is there something out there I need to know? 
We're constantly focused on knowledge, facts, and information. And that's important, isn't it? I mean, you can't do without that. But we've got to move from knowledge to understanding. And so you're better off knowing one thing, understanding it, and what to do with it, than knowing 10 things you're not doing anything with. Does that make sense? And so we have to move beyond knowledge to understanding its meaning and its principles. Understanding something and knowing something are two completely different things. I remember one, <laughs> at one point I had a fellow friends. I had a friend of mine that listened to a sermon and said, well, I could preach that sermon. I said, you could. He goes, yeah, you know, here's words. I could get up there and say that. I said, well, that's really interesting. I said, do you have a relationship with Christ? He goes, well, no, I don't need one. I could preach that, though. It's all about information and facts. And so there's, a, there's in one sense, you can preach and teach without really understanding it and, and, and understanding the meaning of the principles, right? I mean, it's not about presenting facts and information. It's about understanding the meaning and the principles and allowing them to come to bear in our lives. And that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is knowing what to do next. Wisdom is applying what we know to be true, understanding the meaning and the principles, and then acting on that. And that's what Joshua was able to do when he sent the two spies out into the land. He had the facts and the information. He understood the meaning and the principles, and then he was able to act and do what was next. That's what wisdom is. You can be spiritual and not wise. You can be a good speaker and not wise. You can know a lot and not be wise. I had a friend that was a funeral director, and whenever there was a family that had lost a loved one, uh, they wanted a pastor, he'd call me. And so I was constantly going in there to help him with people that reaching out into the community. And I had not heard from him in a couple of months. I saw him not too long ago. And so he said, uh, hey, he goes, I don't need you anymore. I said, what do you mean? You don't need me anymore. He goes, well, I got ordained. I said, you got ordained? He goes, yeah, I got online. I got an ordination now. So I'm, I'm a pastor just like you. I said, I've been watching you do these funerals for the last you know, couple of years. And he goes, I've learned how to do that. I said, I can do my own funerals now. And so I was like, well, that's really interesting. I said, so I stopped for a second. I was pondering. I've never known him for a while. And so I said, um, what happens when you die? He goes, I don't know. What's that got to do with anything? I said, well, you're talking to people about being an ordained pastor. You're talking to people about these passages I've been sharing. What do they mean? I mean, there was absolutely no wisdom in that. You can know a lot. You can even have understanding and still not be wise. Wisdom comes from the application of principles from God's word. And if we're going to move forward together, we have got to be able to apply God's word to our lives. We need to seek wisdom. Yeah, I get wisdom. You know where wisdom comes from? Proverbs 9, 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord. It's not the unhealthy fear as if, you know, he's going to spank me or I'm going to be in trouble. But there's a sense that God is holy and he has a plan. And I want to be in line with that. That's a healthy fear. That's a, it's a healthy fear to know that, the, that there's a God that loves you and has a plan for your life. And, and are you on that right path? Are you in God's will? I think a lot of times when people are praying for faith, 
it's not faith that's the issue. It's they, they know what they should do. And they just need to pray for the strength and the courage to do it. Wisdom is the application of what we know to be true. And it begins by having a healthy fear of God, about understanding that he has a plan and we want to be in line with that plan. In James 1.5, it says this, if you lack wisdom, you just need to ask God who will give generously to all without reproach and it will be given to you. Wisdom is something that God gives. And when you need to make an important decision or you've got something going on in your life and you need clarity, the first, first thing to do is to pray and ask God for wisdom. God, help me to know what's right in this sense. You know, do you believe God's promises? Do you believe that if you pray for wisdom that God will give you that? You take time. Do you believe that from the perspective of that, a, that God does have a plan for you and we're trying to get in line with what his plan is? Do you believe that if you have a healthy fear of the Lord that you'll be given wisdom? You know, are you stuck this morning? There are people that are stuck that are not sure what's next for them this morning. You know, so maybe you're, maybe you're not feeling stuck. Maybe you're just kind of going through life. You're going through the motions. And let me ask you this. Are all the decisions that you're making the right ones? I mean, we all make decisions. Decisions are pretty easy to make. Yes, no, right, wrong, scrambled, fried. I mean, we make decisions all the time. I'm not talking about stopping to spend 20 minutes to pray about whether I should have a scrambled egg or a fried egg. But with those important things, do you step back? Do you seek God's word and grasp it with five fingers? Do you seek wise counsel from people around you? You know, are you seeking to make wise decisions? And so whether you're stuck, whether you're just going through the motions, it's starts by stepping back and stopping and going to God's word. You know, if we're going to move forward together, then we need to make sure that, that we are believing and trusting in God and his promises. And we need to apply the principles of God's word to our lives individually and as a church. And we're committed to doing that as a church. And we want to help you to do that individually. Number three, moving forward together means that we need to rely on God's power. Rely on God's power. And here's the bottom line on this one. Most people don't rely on God's power. They do things in their own strength. Because I catch myself doing that all the time. I just, I just know what happens. God gave us a brain. We can use it. We're not stopping about talking to pray about every single little detail, but... We need to stop on the important things. <laughs> if you want to know something's important, ask somebody around you. Hey, do you think this is important? <laughs> I think God's speaking to me in this area. What do you think? Are you looking at God's word and letting that inform what you're hearing? Are you, are you letting God's word and wise counsel around you inform what you know to be true as you make decisions? Most people don't. <laughs> you know, as you can imagine, I have had uh, a lot of important conversations this past month. <laughs> and I have been spending a lot of time in prayer. I've been spending a lot of time seeking counsel. You know, we have, um, you know, just a matter of weeks. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, Pastor Dan's interested, you know, leaving now. Are you interested in that position? I've had a lot of people have said, you're not interested in that position, are you? <laughs> Pastor Matt's the same thing. Pastor Matt's had people ask him about that as well. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to think about what I want or what God might want. 
There's a passage in Romans 8, 5 I wanted to share with you this morning. It says this, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. If we're not careful, if we're living according to the flesh, then we're going to make our decisions according to the flesh. When somebody asks me, what do you want? I have to stop and say, it doesn't matter what I want. <laughs> it would be really easy for me to take the bull by the horns. I mean, if you've got, a, if you, depending upon how you're gifted and how you're wired, it's really easy for us to step out and do things in our own strength. It's just easy to do. We all do it. We do it every day. But it takes someone that is attuned to having a mind on God and his purposes to live according to what the Spirit wants and keeping his mind there. Relying on God's power to work through this transition period is critical. It seemed right to me when I was talking with the elder board about moving into the infant pastor role because I know that this church needs continuity. I know that the relationships that have been formed are important. I know that you are important and we care about you and we don't want anybody slipping through the cracks and to have somebody come in from the outside that doesn't know our ministry to try and speak into that just didn't make sense to me. And so in a prayerful time, I talked with my wife, I talked with the elder board, I talked with my family, I got outside counsel and I prayed and I sought God's word and I was in scripture and I thought, you know what, this feels like the right thing to do. And so stepping into that interim position as we all together sense what God had for us was critical. You know, God's power takes us sometimes into the most unlikely places. It takes us into the unknown. It takes us into positions that we have to really be dependent on him for and explain ourselves. God's power takes us into the most unlikely places. Look where it took the spies. They went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and they lodged there. Hey, honey, uh, me and the guys are going to go out and spy out this new land. Uh, we're going to be staying with a prostitute. I um, just want to let you know. <laughs> Is that where you would have stayed? I don't know I would have stayed there. I would have been looking for a, a Holiday Inn or something. But, you know, going into the, into, the, into the back alley to stay at the prostitute's house, man, God took them. <laughs> he took them before them, didn't he? You know, I can remember uh, I had a team from Meadowland uh, before I came to Springbrook. We had a church up in Johnsburg, and, and uh, we were working on a new leadership team, and I had all of our leaders together. And we had our grand opening uh, in March. And the Sunday that we had our grand opening, there was a bar down the street, and they had their grand opening. And when they opened up their bar, there was five. You couldn't even get in the parking lot. There was hundreds of people there. And for our grand opening, we had 150 people. And so I took all of our leaders together and we went down to this bar. And I had one guy, he stood right at that door and he could not step through that door. He said, I've never been in a bar before. I can't, can we go in here? I mean, this is, this is a, I mean, just, it was unreal. Just, it was a meltdown. We got to avoid the appearance of evil. And I said, you know what? There was 500 people here Saturday and none of them were here Sunday. If you're going to reach these people, you better figure out how to get in there and make relationships with them. We're not going in here to drink. We're going in here. I'm going to have a Coke. We're going to sit here and talk. And I want to vision cast with you what it means to be a church that has a presence in its community. You can't hide from it. Jesus says, while you're out there, make disciples. I love it in here. I love hanging around with you guys. I mean, this is great. But we are called to be out there. And God in his power takes us into some of the most unlikely places. And it takes the spies right into 
this inn. Well, there's a prostitute. She wasn't an innkeeper. She was a prostitute. God goes before us, and we find him working the most when we step out in power to where God is leading us. And the best demonstration of God's power is in the power of a changed life. I was uh, up at the McHenry County, uh, McHenry County Jail. Um, there was a Bible study that I can participate in, so I'd lead a Bible study. And so I'm talking to these guys, and I don't know what, who they were used to having come in, but um, it was funny because uh, we're just getting to know each other. And so I kind of shared my testimony, and they're all like, <laughs> wow. I said, God is good. My relationship with Christ changed me. And when you get out of here, if you want to do something different, you better have one of these in your hand. It was just, it was, there's nothing that compares to the power of a changed life. You know, you are, uh, if you are a believer, you have a story to share. I have never heard a bad story. If you have a relationship with Christ, that is a miracle. There's nothing short of the fact that God has called you into a relationship with himself. It's nothing you did. God called you into that, and he called you for a purpose to share that hope that you have with others. And when you share that, it says the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be his witnesses. And so we're going to engage in the power of God moving forward. That's something we all need to be prepared to be thinking about. What does that look like for me? What does that look like for us? When we first meet Rahab in this passage, she is a prostitute. She is messed up, just like every single one of us. We're all messed up. We're all sinners in need of grace. We all need Christ. We all need the cross. And we find Rahab's name in three places in the New Testament. In Matthew 1, 5, it says, She is mentioned as the mother of Boaz. This makes her the great-great-grandmother of King David. More importantly, she is now a direct ancestor in the line of Jesus Christ. She's mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, it says, Rahab welcomed the spies, and she was not killed with everybody else because of her faith. In James chapter 2, verse 25, in the same way, was it not also Rahab the prostitute who was justified by the works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Her faith moved her to take action, and it was counted to her as righteousness. Rahab's faith moved her to act and to rely on the power of God to save her and save her family. Rahab's story I'm going to have to save for another time. I had to stop at Joshua chapter 1 or 2 verse 1. But that story, if you, read, if you have a chance, I want to encourage you to read through Rahab's story. It's fascinating the way that God goes before the spies and transforms the life of this woman that God uses to accomplish such great plans. You know, in response to the way that Joshua and the Israelites moved forward, because of you know, the ways that they moved forward, you know, listen to the result of what happens. So get down to the end of chapter 2. The spies come back. And they say to Joshua, truly the Lord is giving this land into our hands. Isn't that much different than the story you got the first time when they were all grumbling and complaining about, oh, we can't take it. Look at these guys. Truly the Lord has given us all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land, they melt away because of us. When we step out relying on God's power, when we step out looking for ways to apply his word to our life, 
we step out believing in God's promises, it is then that we can be able to see with clarity the way that God's going to go before us. What does God have next for us as a church? I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. But I do know that if we're prepared to move forward in these three ways, it's going to be awesome. And so that's where we're going to place our focus. And so we have to step back. We have to catch our breath. And we have to seek what God would have for us. That's what a transition period is all about. It's about stepping back. It's about assessing. It's about seeking God and understanding what he has next for us. What does God have for you this morning? Are you stuck? You know, the Israelites were stuck for 40 years before they finally got to the river and got to go into the promised land. They got scared the first time and retreated. This time around, they still know where they're going, but this time they're better prepared to move forward. Do you feel prepared to move forward in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood? Do you feel prepared to move forward? Try these three ways. We talked about preparing your way during this next week and see if God doesn't go before you in the same amazing way. In your program this morning, there's a welcome slip attached to that. So I want to invite you to uh, tear that off with me this morning. First of all, I'd really love to know that you were here. So if you haven't filled this out, I'd encourage you just to put your first and last name on here, the names of any adults. Um, We're going to collect these in just a moment. But then down on the bottom, as we mentioned, if there's something that we can pray for you about, maybe you're stuck, maybe you're um, just kind of going through the motions, um, you know, if there's something that we can pray for you about, we'd love the opportunity to do that. Um, there's certainly lots that we can come to God with in prayer, but maybe you just want to praise God for something this morning. And we're going to collect those in just a few moments. But also on the back of there, on the back there's a place for you to indicate maybe an interest in our starting point class. Our starting point class is we're going to be talking about who Springbrook is and where we're going. These are the kind of things that we talk about in our starting point class. Why do we exist? What are we supposed to be doing? What does ministry look like? How, do I get, how can I be a part of that? And so if you want to know more about the story that Springbrook is writing, not just has written, but will continue to write, I want to invite you to join me for starting point. See, there's a little place for you to indicate your interest in starting point. Um, we, were, um, we had a baptism service uh, scheduled. If you have questions about baptism, uh, if you, you, know, you can indicate your interest in that. Maybe you're looking for a small group. I love Sunday morning. But I tell you, relationships are formed best in the context of a smaller group of people, whether it's a men's group, a women's group, a couple's group, a young adult group. We've got 20, over 25 groups to choose from. So if you're looking to get into a small group, I want to encourage you, now is the time for us to lock arms together in the context of groups. Maybe you don't, aren't sure that you have a relationship with Christ. If that's not something that's clear in your mind this morning, um, it starts there. Um, if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, I'd um, love the opportunity to talk with you more about that. But let us know how we can help you be a part of the story that God is writing for us as we step out together. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this day that you've given us today. I've uh, got to thank you for the principles of Scripture that we can apply to our lives. And there's just a lot of different things that compete for our time. And I've got to just pray that as we move through these next few weeks and months, um, God, that you'd Give us margin in our life so we can clear our calendars uh, to put these things that we've talked about this morning into practice in our life. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing uh, in and through this body of Christ. I pray that you would use Springbrook to be effective at reaching this community for Christ and for building passionate followers. Look forward to all that you have for us together. Thank you for this day you've given us. We lift the rest of it up to you for your glory. In Christ's name.
Amen.